0: Yeah. I rented a car from the bike rental place, oh. which was which was amazing. We got what Were you uh, what were you whipping over there? They had a few choices, and I went for what I felt like was the most appropriate, you know, thing to go with all the the shades of color that I was representing, of which course. was a a beautiful pistachio colored Like 2000, I'm not even sure. I'm thinking it was like a 2004 Volkswagen Beetle convertible.
1: Oh, wow. A cabrio. Oh, that a
0: pistachio cabrio. That's pistachio cabrio. That was riddled with more black mold than I have ever seen. Oh no! Uh, with any with any vehicle that I have ever been in, and felt uh, I I actually felt actively anxious for containing my my family within this little vehicle. But the top would go down, and so you would put Luckily, the top down yeah. and have have fresh air, and uh, you know feel not feel as much like. And I've never I've never had a car where every single thing that you touch in the car falls apart upon you touching it like yeah. literally every single like the window switches like you would you would press the window switch down and you'd be like, oh, it has like multiple levels of like depression <laughs> on it. And they'd be like, oh, no, I'm just the plastic is just pushing downwards deep yeah. into the door. And if I push it any further, it's going to fall inwards into the door and be lost forever. Um, yeah. And and all sorts of uh, things like that. So, you know, oh, uh, German cars don't uh, don't don't own them outside of warranty. Uh, yeah, well, don't, there's don't I feel that. like there's. This is
1: this is that the the most natural of segues possible uh, because we're talking about a cabrio that clearly had its its roof left down as you ship uh ship that as you sip that uh, French martini as promised Mm -hmm. uh from from our last ep uh but we had some uh we had some rain this weekend uh just like Mm -hmm. your cabrio had a whole bunch of rain with its top down. Uh, yep. The the race in uh, the Principality also got caught with its top down quite a bit. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I'd say maybe even the FIA got caught with their top down uh, for the first hour. Corey, that it race. was their bottoms
0: down. Their bottoms it, were down, completely Bottoms down, down yes. <laughs> is out they had Let. tuxedo tops and no bottoms basically like it was it was uh yeah it was it, all uh, like all classy until it was deeply shameful so it's like we're talking like uh
1: james bond but he's donald ducking it
0: yes exactly yeah exactly yeah.
1: that's that's it uh amazing all right well let's let's get into it Welcome to the F1 Files. I am one of your hosts. Uh, My name is Corey Willis. I am an improviser, comedian, and writer out here in sunny Los Angeles. Uh, What's up, buddy?
0: What's up, man? This is John Lepore. I'm a creative guru holding it down on the East Coast. Uh, So, all right. uh, Monaco Grand Prix weekend. Yeah. Uh, the what was it the feather in the cap of uh, formula one the, cra- the, what, formula the crown one, jewel the crown
1: jewel the feather in the, the cap. Crown. The crown jewel is is what it's is what it's called but I also like feather in the cap because it does uh, it does feel like a feather in a cap type situation and oh this this this, this race was it's so historic it's this is the race that's had its the 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 most substantial and uh most highly coveted race win on the calendar since pretty much the inception of the world title uh so like it's like mm-hmm. something like 62 years or something like that they've had the race there uh and the the title has only been around for 76 years or something i, I may have those those numbers a little bit off but Longest standing race on the calendar. One of the races that is one, most recently one of the most controversial because people are talking about cutting it off the calendar. Uh But yeah, what
0: did, what did as, you think? Janet? As Wikipedia states, run since 1929, it is widely considered to be one of the most important and prestigious, not Formula One race, but automobile race in the yeah. world.
1: Yeah, period. In, in the whole world oh speaking of uh uh, speaking of whiny race car drivers do we have a whiny hamilton uh next
0: to you there we have a whiny hamilton (laughs) which is my uh my about 10 year old uh beautiful uh cat who Mm -hmm. is is yes named after sir lewis hamilton of course Uh, and my cat is the uh is a seven time world champion of throwing up cat food. Um, oh, so, uh, you know, <laughs> but just barely,
1: barely edged out last year by, uh, by newcomer uh, rookie <laughs> uh, <laughs> Olive, <laughs> uh, who has uh, uh, gotten really, really good at, uh, uh, at throwing up her dog food, maybe, maybe taken over uh, the championship of throwing up its food we'll year. see we'll see if Hamilton
0: can hold it together this season. Um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, all right, all right, so Monaco <laughs> Grand Prix, uh, why don't we uh, lot lot to discuss here. Why yeah, don't we just start with with the basics mm-hmm. um, on a on a scale of <laughs> one to ten with one being a fully nude uh Garfield? Okay. <laughs> like a a 5 being a a Donald Duck who is, you know, dressed up top and uh fully nude down below. And then a a 10 which would be what 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 cartoon character is particularly well dressed? What's uh, uh, the
1: fanciest most dapper uh cartoon character? I mean, I want to say it's like but I think that he might also not be wearing proper bottoms, but like, I uh, feel like there's
0: a bunch of them that are tuxedo tops and no bottoms. Yeah.
1: But, but the fanciest of all those would, would almost certainly be Bugs Bunny when he is conducting the orchestra. Right. When he's the, the conductor and he's like fully. Yeah. um, Maybe it might, he might just be in like a bow tie uh, uh, or something like that. Like that might be, which, uh, which actually right, makes right, right, it right, maybe right. the perfect 10. I, I, got
0: the, I, got the it, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. So uh, Bugs is, he is nude from the waist down when he is conducting the orchestra. So I think that, that keeps him at a little more of a, uh, that puts him at like a six on the okay, scale. Okay, okay. I'm going to say um, 10 is a fully dressed Mickey in the Fantasia cloak. In the cloak. Even with- though you know he's commando underneath that, you know he's absolutely raw underneath that. There is no like there's not even like sweatpants or or underpants But he's accessorized. Or anything. He's, just, he's you know,
1: fully yeah. accessorized. He's got the wand, he's got the hat. Yeah. Uh yeah, yeah. he's got the brooms uh plural. Uh spoilers, yep. sorry for those yep, of yep. you who haven't seen uh Fantasia. Uh or is it the mops? It's mops. Uh it's not not a broom. Yeah, they um, mops. They're so-
0: mops, they're definitely mops.
1: So I'd say as far as so I want to rate this on like a uh, on on a on a double scale here. We'll still use the same scale as far as uh, Garfield the Cat Naked on up to Mickey uh, Fantasia style. Uh, I'd say I want to rate this because Monaco sits as this crown jewel in and of itself. So when it comes to uh, races, I want to rate it that way. Um, how Monaco is rated against Mm -hmm. itself and then i also want to rate it against the other races here so let's go with the other races first on the circuit i'd say that we're we're probably at like a yogi bear um uh on 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 the whole circuit so we've Mm -hmm. got uh -hmm. we've got the fanciness we've got the tie um uh sometimes we've got some disguises in there that that can that can provide yogi with the means to getting his picnic baskets uh maybe even there's an accessory in there as like a boo-boo uh showing up um uh, i'd say boo-boo would be uh the rain um in this metaphor <laughs> um uh but but then uh as far as uh as a rating in and of itself uh i would put this at uh a mickey in fantasia uh as like a monaco Race in the current era, we have not had a race this exciting at Monaco. I don't think, um, probably since they went to these larger format cars in the 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 early two thousands, we have not had a race in Monaco where like it, we we haven't had like a Nigel Mansell, um, uh, Ayrton Senna esque battle. We haven't had those. Yeah. We haven't seen those at all. In the current era of Formula One, and I think this year, not only did we see that specific, like Ayrton Senna and Nigel Mansell style battle, but we saw yep. like a four way version of that with two Red Bulls and two Ferraris. Uh, in, in for like just one of the coolest endings to a race in Monaco that I've seen in a very long time, maybe in my lifetime. Uh, what, yep. what What about you, Johnny? What did you think?
0: All right. So compared to what I expect from Monaco. Mm -hmm. This was a properly attired speedy Gonzalez who, in case you don't remember is fully clothed, except he's got a little hole for his tail to come out. Yep. And, uh, I thought was, was really, uh, there was, there was some really interesting components there. I think there's, if you weren't paying attention, you could, or if you had fallen asleep during the race and just woke up at the end and saw the results, You could say that it didn't seem that engaging, but I would say particularly the final 10, 15 laps of the race, although we didn't see the significant position change, it was like nail bitingly close. It was so that was really, really thrilling. I thought that was really exciting. I think in comparison to the, you know, average race of the season you know monaco typically does not please you know in terms of vicious racing action um but i would say it's still it still surprised us in in some regards i rate it as a solid uh winnie the pooh shirt no okay. pants but yeah. like kind of a hot mess and has spilled his honey all over himself, yeah. uh, which I'm going to attribute <laughs> particularly to the fact that we had a race that started about a solid hour later than, yeah. it, than it needed to. I think it was um, at like
1: 59 minutes and 40 seconds or something. They were finally like, all right, we're going to start the race. Uh, just, just like y'all. Um,
0: should we should we start there? Should we start with? Yeah, uh, well.
1: Just real quick, let's let's go over just the, the 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 couple of things that we saw differently this time around, because especially for people who are new to Formula One, Monaco is a standalone for a multitude of reasons. But one of those big reasons is that there's usually a day off uh, on mm-hmm. uh, on Friday, so usually the race weekend starts on Thursday, and then they have free practice one, free practice two. And then they have a full day off on Friday where they open the streets back up and people go and party and hang out and do their thing. And then they come back for free practice three Saturday morning and then qualifying and qualifying usually in Monaco is the race. Uh, If you if you heard people talking about it leading up to the race, then that was like it's usually a procession usually do have whoever qualifies first usually finishes the race. Uh, as the race winner and then on through the field as well. And we kind of saw that right around like the midfield, uh, with, especially with Alonso, uh, we'll get mm-hmm. to that. Um, yep, but, yep. uh, we, we definitely usually see the race basically decided on a Saturday. So the fact that there was not only like, not only was the race schedule itself different and condensed, which I've heard most people enjoyed included like specifically the the teams and the drivers mm-hmm. who we were like they we don't want a day off. We just want to get and this done with. We have so much to do.
0: We don't need time My understanding to like- was this decision was made because we were coming straight out of a previous race weekend, you know, exactly. just a few days before and just having that one extra day gave the, you know, general logistics and the pressure of packing up a crazy multi-million dollar operation and freighting it from, you know, one place to another uh, yeah. made it just a, a smidge smoother. Even though
1: it's that they, they do try to usually keep this race as basically a standalone race. Uh, it's like the a, a beginning third of the season. This like marks that the season is about a third of the way over usually. So there's almost always a break between Monaco and then the U S there's usually like Monaco, not the U S but Monaco and Canada. There's usually this like nice little break. So this weekend is open and wide and a little loosey goosey, but yeah, because of the calendar this year, because they went from Spain last weekend and then just had to like literally drive down mm-hmm. the coast. Uh, They absolutely needed to condense it. And I, again, I think that this was better. I I just feel like, It was more engaging, more enjoyable to watch, especially for new fans who have not seen this. They're like, wait, why are you guys taking Friday off? What is so special about this? Um, But yeah, it was it was really cool to see Monaco condensed in like a normal race weekend kind of uh, format that that felt more normal to me and more accessible as a fan who's watched this race so many times uh and like forgotten that free practice one and two start on thursday where i'm like oh oh my god i have so much formula one to watch and then on a friday i'm like oh i have nothing to do and nothing to watch and i know people Mm -hmm. are partying and it's but i don't get a taste of it uh it just felt better to be condensed uh as a fan so i'm i'm interested to know how how newer fans felt about it as well so
0: So, you know, I think, uh, again, thinking of it in this new era where many fans are coming to this sport uh, Mm -hmm. pretty fresh, I think it's – exciting to see that we had a, a cool race. I will say it does seem like there's been a lot more discussion and there's been drips and drabs of it in the past few previous years, but the sentiment does seem to be getting stronger and stronger of like, why do we even race here? Why do we yeah. even do this? This it's is so like, it's impractical. It's unsuitable for competitive racing. Um, But I, I, I think that's still part of the appeal of it. Like it is, it's impractical to hold a Olympic scale sporting event in the middle of this tiny city where there's like, there's no room to set any of this stuff up and establish yeah. it and do there's any no room of the to ship it in. Like they
1: cannot, the roads on in and around the coast on the Mediterranean, specifically in that part of the world, you can't, like I've, I've traveled in that part of the world and been on those roads. There's no way to fit like multiple trucks with equipment on it. Mm -hmm. Like they have to ship it in literally with boats. It cannot make it into the city. You saw like a Haas trying to ship their stuff in and it's comical to see these trucks trying to navigate like tiny little country roads along the the Mediterranean where like you can barely fit like one of those tiny little fiats, let alone (laughs) a thing, the size of a school bus uh, yep. uh with, with trailers and like weird um height requirements. Um so yeah, like you said last week, uh it's it's like it's you can look at it from two angles. One, it's it's so crazy that they go and try and race these cars in this tiny little space that doesn't fit it and then it's like it's so crazy that they go and try and race these cars in this tiny little space that don't fit it. Yeah. And I think the latter of those two is what we saw this weekend yield. Uh, that was the response that I saw. Uh, and especially from like people who are in the commentators booth, people who are, who were talking about the race all weekend. Like these are old veteran F1 drivers and hearing them and, 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 uh, reporters and mechanics and hearing them talk about like, just kind of being like, Hey, please don't take away our Monaco. Uh, even though they're all like, you know, yeah. saluting to the company, like F1, they'll do whatever they tell them to. Uh, to a person they're all like oh please don't take this away from us it's like we get that traditions are made to be broken but this is maybe one of them that like shouldn't be broken until that city kind of slips into the ocean (laughs) um which is not impossible
0: And, and you know it's it's i i think i i appreciate and i i'm a big fan of the just the the how what a what an exotic and bizarre thing it is to, yeah. to do this. But I can I can see a little bit of the other side, and particularly during yeah, this race in the earlier laps when it was soaking yeah. wet and you would just look at the cars going by and it looked like they were going so just slow. Crawling. Yeah. And they yeah, are. Yeah, just crawling. And yeah, I mean, for the for the way these cars are designed, they're absolutely crawling and they're, you know, uh, to the point where they're unable to almost take advantage of of their potential to the point that's almost incredibly detrimental to the performance of the vehicles. It takes so much to keep the tires warm. It keeps so much mm -hmm. to keep the brakes at operating temperature and and everything. Well, people were saying, uh, um,
1: well, one, the the tire thing is like a huge deal because they've now reduced the uh, efficacy of the tire blankets that you guys see um, Mm -hmm. when they're like warming up the tires before they leave the garage. Those temperatures have been brought down, so it's harder to get those tires up to temp. Uh, but then also they were talking about this when they were watching the commentators are watching uh, the, the Red Bulls go through the streets early in the practice session before they were fully set up. And they were like, yeah, you can tell that the car just does not rotate. Because it doesn't have that transfer of weight because it's not getting up to speed and then losing that aerodynamic load. So the car isn't naturally pitching forward. It just can't get up to speed to do that. So the cars do look even clumsier than they normally would look going around a slow corner uh, because it's so slow and because of the cambers are all weird. And these are city streets. Uh, I, I, I really... I hope to go to this race one day, but I also want to just go to Monaco to walk this track. That's like just you, because you can walk this circuit because it's a street circuit. Uh, I I would love to do that because like when we went to races, the thing that blew my mind was seeing the elevation change on these tracks. And that's something that like, I feel like I'm maybe a little more conscious of because I've gone to a race or two, uh, but also the camera angles they're using now uh, are like...
0: Yeah, really elevation change never comes through in in the broadcast. And just a yeah. side note, uh, another weird one-off about Monaco is the broadcast is not um, properly staffed by the FIA broadcast yep. team that normally does this, and I think that actually hurts it the does. broadcast a little bit. Like, they're not nailing the most exciting and dramatic angles. And I think they're actually doing a little bit of a disservice, uh, especially to newer fans who are watching this and who are, you know, hopefully not thinking what I was thinking in moments where they're just watching and be like, these cars look like they're barely moving. Like they look like they're like idling through a parking lot. What's, what's going on here.
1: And a lot Um, of that that is, that is camera operator. Like they know how to shoot these cars, especially on like tight city streets. They do know how to do this now with these other street circuits. Yeah. And like, look at what they did with Miami. Look at what they're going to do in two weeks in Azerbaijan. When like, you see what, what it looks like. Cause those, those streets are pretty wide except for the castle section uh, in Azerbaijan. Right. But like, you'll, we'll see how gnarly these cars look when they're ripping through these streets with these like canyons of buildings on either side of them. Uh, yeah. It just, it it did look a little bit sloppy and cumbersome, um, but I'm used to that. I think as a fan, you're also wowed by yeah. what you're seeing, like the, the shots of the yacht club, uh, the shots of mm-hmm. like the marina, uh, the shots of like some of these like beautiful cliffside uh, villas that, that you can see. Um, yep. So I don't want to take too much away from the broadcast. They, they do a decent job, but it's more showcasing the city than the race, I think is, yeah. is what they're
0: focused yeah. on. So I want to circle back to something that you mentioned, because I think it was a key thing uh, that, that triggered a, the the biggest event in qualifying. Mm. Uh, you mentioned, you know, tire temperatures. Yeah. And uh, from what I understood, the cause of a particular incident that one Sergio Perez had yeah. at the tail end of qualifying was uh, he, the culprit was that his tires just didn't have enough heat in them to yeah. stick to the surface. And I mean, it really is like if you're a newbie to the sport, these tires, I mean, when we talk about them heating up, I mean, they get hot to the point where when we say sticky, it's not just some sort of lingo. Like they are literally unlike like uh, they become like, like glue. They become, yeah, yeah. And they become very, very soft and very sticky to the point of like, you know, as they roll down the street, They will like collect everything that is on that Mm -hmm. street, every stone, every, every little, uh, molecule that is on the surface will get stuck to that tire. And it's all about that tire, just holding the road as, as much as it can. So, uh, tail end of qualifying, uh, just heading into the tunnel. Uh, we see Sergio, uh, just lose it. Very, very unfortunately, yeah, yeah, backs it in a little bit, and then uh, almost immediately in that same spot, he collects uh, Carlos, yeah, and then right behind him, it was it was Max, right?
1: Almost collected Max as well, yeah, yeah. Which and everyone's tires were not warmed up, which is why Signs actually made contact with Perez's car. Uh he said on the radio after the session he's like i as soon as I saw the yellow flags, I hit the brakes, but I was already in I was already in the braking zone, and I was on a flyer for qualifying, so I was going as fast as I could, and then when I tried to apply the brakes, the car is not meant to stop in that location. The car is only meant to slow down, and mm-hmm. the ca- it's literally engineered to only slow down in that corner um uh if you're traveling at speed." So that's why you saw him like whip around and hit Carlos and Max luckily stopped uh, before that, saw that Carlos hit his brakes uh, as he was kind of coming around, I think, uh, out of that hairpin. He like saw uh, that Carlos wasn't going as fast as he should have and probably saw yellows. But holy (laughs) shit, man, that that could have been bad. That could have been real bad. Um, Carlos would have split that car in half if he hadn't slowed down. As much as he mm-hmm. did that, uh, yep. that, that, that was, we, we almost saw a horrible, horrible nightmare uh, happen, but yeah, Charles and, snuck and, in and, and got that lap. Ooh, worth yeah, got it though. Yeah.
0: yeah. He, he did. Uh, he did get it. Um, and, and worth noting that that little like mini pile up, right. You know, at the entrance to the tunnel mm-hmm. were our entire podium for the race on Sunday.
1: All three of them were the ones who were on top, and the guy who got through scot free uh, didn't make the podium. But holy shit, John! Charles Leclerc has finished a single seat race in his hometown for the first time in his career. He has finished. All
0: right, all right. so a so let's jump. I, I mean, let's just jump straight into the the race, and and I think oh. the main story is is yeah. sh- Charles race, right? It's, it's, it was his race to lose and he, he lost it. It was Ferrari's race to lose. Yeah. That's going in. There's an asterisk there.
1: It's it. Charles didn't, he did absolutely
0: everything correct
1: this weekend and Ferrari (laughs) him. It it sucked so bad to
0: see that. But Uh, not just that, but Ferrari had the front row locked out at Monaco. Yeah in the in the one track in the entire calendar where no one's ever going to be able to pass you anywhere i think i saw i saw the the stat was it's been something like 15 years or or something since a team had the front row locked out and didn't win the race
1: yeah do you know Monica. what team that was it was ferrari john it was ferrari uh, they were the, they were the last ones to do this john um they, it was them too so yeah um, they screwed it up last time and they screwed it up again 15 years later
0: all right recap recap uh what what happened and then i want to i want to ask you a little bit about you know some yeah. of how you think this this uh, came to be So we had the the race gets
1: underway. Um, It's delayed. So when it finally does start, uh, there was like already uh, as someone who's seen this before, I knew it was going to be a timed race. I was like, okay, this is now uh, where we've now entered that window of they're not going to be able to complete every lap of this race so the way that f1 races work is they have to be completed within two hours of their start time uh and three hours of their scheduled start time so within two hours of the start time this race was not going to be able to be done so they swapped over to a time uh time strategy and that's what kind of every team did and this is like ferraris also like bullshit <laughs> excuse uh they were like oh the rain screwed up our strategy the timed thing screwed up our strategy whatever Uh, so we had, uh, Leclerc signs Perez, uh, Verstappen, Verstappen starting on fourth, which bananas that dude, it's so wild to see him that far back on the grid. Uh, but then we had, uh, Norris Russell, uh, our man, Alonzo in front of, uh, Hamilton, uh, and, um, Leclerc, he gets out about five seconds ahead of everyone. He gets almost five Mm -hmm. seconds ahead of every single person in the race, but they didn't Like And Ferrari started on early. They're like, hey, when do you want to switch to Inters? When do you want to switch to Inters? And Charles wasn't sure. And Signs comes over the radio and goes, I don't want to go to Inters. I want to go straight from full wets to slicks. And that was like such an early call. And Mm -hmm. that definitely caught my attention. I was like, hmm, that's, that's Carlos like calling his own strategy. This sounds like a Carlos who knows... Like is like feeling himself now. He's gotten, yep. I think, to a point of where he's no longer doing that thing where he has to overthink driving the car. He's now just like naturally driving the car enough where he can call his own tire strategy at Monaco. Like that's,
0: who that is, that's impressive. I I love the boldness where yeah. he says this doesn't need to go Ferrari's way. This needs to go. carlitos Carlito's way way. (laughs)
1: uh and it's i'm so sorry it's no no no, we'll we'll, make as many connections as i can we will never stop we are we are only a couple of weeks away from miami we still have all these uh we can use all these and also carlos is still in contention for the world championship so Let's yeah, let's, very much let's so. not very much. Let's not lose it. So we we ended up getting uh, a pretty, uh, they, the car seemed like they were settling in a little bit. It looked like it was going to be one of those procession races. And then we get ghastly pitting early to enters. And he mm. immediately starts proving that you can pass with the new formula on Monaco streets because he yeah. starts not just like looking like he, is looking for other people to make mistakes in the wet, he is starting to search out alternate wet lines and semi-dry lines.
0: It was really cool to see. And you could see the car like very alive in his hands and him being comfortable with it, with the car getting a little loose, a little bit off balance, but still saying, you know what, I'm still working, you know? And it's such a fine line, but I have to imagine that, that it's this sort of balance of like, well, I can't get up to the crazy, scary speeds. Yes, so I can I can push the limits a little bit, but then you got to remember you you can't go off, you can't go too far offline because there's walls everywhere. There is yeah. no margin for error. There is no, no gravel even, trap. Oh. There is no space. Even on like the
1: opening lap, when Charles Clay came around uh, for like to to start, basically after the the rolling start behind the safety car, he got so sideways on the pit like pit curve, we'll call it. Uh, yes. But he got so sideways on that, and that was I was like, oh god, Charles, no! Uh, that scared the hell out of me. But yeah, seeing Gasly maneuver that that set up um, Hamilton to go in and uh, and pit as well. And he ended up coming out and got into a little bit of a scrap with Ocon uh, when he was trying to pass him basically Mm -hmm. in like that same spot that Gasly pulled off his pass. He went to pull off a pass on Esteban and Esteban turned in on him. That's I understand that Ocon wasn't prepared to be passed at that spot because it's Monaco. You're not prepared to be passed anywhere if you're doing well and you're racing well and you're, you're online and like he wasn't expecting him there. uh. So I can kind of, I want to like throw out that as like a defense a little bit for Ocon because it was, a, mm-hmm. it was a very aggressive move by Hamilton, but you know, you're racing formula one. You got to be ready for that. And you got to know that if someone comes in, you leave a gap, they get in that gap. You can't turn in on them. And that's what Ocon did. So I was just waiting on the penalty for that. It was like, there's no way they're not going to give him a penalty for that. Not with the new race director, uh, and the stewards like showing up for the race director's first real race, like I think they were they were ready to throw that penalty out, and I think he deserved it. uh, it sucks, but he deserved it but then Le- leclaire pitted for inters. did you like when when he pitted for inters that
0: I couldn't <sighs> believe that he was going in for inters um all right, so I mean That's to me so there's there's a no- right away. there's a number of screw ups here, which is. To have him out of that group of cars at the front to have Why? him go in and take a very what would be of an extremely conservative strategy then to have it be him that is trying that as opposed to his teammate quite his frankly, teammate should have been yeah he's the it, test it should have been yeah your number 2 is going to be the test subject in that scenario yep. you you have them run it and you see how they do if he wasn't there was no signs that he was in a scenario where his tires were impeding his race in any way shape or form he had a very comfortable cushion mm-hmm. ahead of everyone else not to mention and not to mention that he's got a teammate who
1: took a bold strategy like these this is what happens on these teams. They communicate with their drivers, but they also know what your teammate and their team are doing as well. They don't, especially that early in the race when they've got a one, two lockout, you have to understand that those engineers on both sides of that garage were definitely communicating with each other at that point. So for Charles to take enters when, when, like Carlos was like adamant about not taking enters and he's further back in the pack. Like, I don't understand why Charles would have let them do that to him. I I, I just don't. I, I don't, I don't get it. But yeah, that was, that was, that was pretty upsetting. Uh, so yeah, he pits, he comes out third place. He comes out, he's behind, uh, uh, he's behind Perez, right? Is that what happened? Oh no, he comes out in fifth. Um uh oh no no, no, sorry sorry that's that's not true at all. Perez pitted first for inters, so like Red Bull went for like the bold strategy, and they did exactly what we were just saying. They had their number two driver yeah. try the aggressive strategy, and that strategy paid off because luckily, Lando Norris pitted at the same time, so like Perez was going to come out, he comes out right behind Norris as Norris is pitting his car, and then we got um signs we got signs as uh he comes in he swaps out for his uh he swaps out for his his beautiful beautiful uh set of slicks and they bring mm-hmm. charlin right behind him so not only do they bring charlin from like within two laps they pit him twice but they double stack the pit stop and like right here, when they did this i was like ferrari just lost this race that was it. That that moment right there was them losing the race. Because as they did that, Signs comes out and he comes out right behind. I think it was Albon. He comes out behind one of the slowest back markers of the weekend. No offense to the Williams, but they were one of the slowest cars. And he doesn't make he get they get overcut by, by Red Bull. And Perez makes yep. it out before him. So that's that's it. That right there set up literally the way the race ended. Uh, and it was just quite literally watching Charles lose his shit
0: Yeah, uh, and lost oh. his shit hard. I I still haven't understood what was said in his radio communication and like the, the majority of it was also bleeped out, but yeah. there was just like this rage voice that was coming over the i the,
1: you never hear. I've never heard that that tone of voice come yeah. from Charles before.
0: It's good. It's watched- good. I, I love seeing these guys push to their <laughs> limits. And, I mean, yeah. we've been talking all season about how – Charles seems so chill he seems so comfortable you know just yeah. sort of playing head games with Verstappen and this definitely was him like you know completely losing it which yeah. uh you know and, and and very you know I think everybody everybody understands why I don't think anybody holds a grudge against him for it it no, was like no it was it was a rare scenario where that kind of rage over a radio communication didn't sound like a whiny formula one driver amazing still that this guy you know the the you know a a guy raised in monaco uh can can do that and have it still come across as being you know sympathetic yeah yeah truly yeah they're like talking about i guess that's what happens when you know your ferrari team screw you that badly
1: yeah like they spilled
0: hot soup all over him Just all over him. It was just yes, yeah. They did,
1: and they like again. This is for people who may have just started to come to this uh, recently. But Ferrari has this reputation for being so like so perfect. Uh, Pre two thousand thirteen, Ferrari was the team to be on because they were the best strategy team. They had the best equipment. They had the best uh, junior teams. The best people working for them and now they have like all of that except their strategy is notoriously flawed so when like a strategy call like this happens it's not just like a little thing where they like tell him to pit in the wrong place at the wrong time ferrari notoriously like throws a wrench in their own works they they do it consistently and this was mm-hmm. one of those moments and it was just heartbreaking uh, especially because you heard them get it wrong with signs, and signs was like, "No, I'm doing this the way I think is correct," and then his way was correct, which oof, heartbreaking for Charles. But hey, he finished a race. Hey, he finished a single seater race at home. Uh, so that's like the worst consolation prize. Do you, John, do you think it would have been better if he was on the podium, or do you think it would have been more disappointing?
0: Um, I, I mean, it's it's pretty rough. I think the best the best yeah, case no scenario what. for him now seems as though it would have been like if his car just like exploded and he yeah. was able to safely exit it and just say like, sorry, I had another DNF, but to own like he somehow the grabs lead of the race, one of the cranes like
1: uh, as he's yeah. going, as the car like uh, disintegrates. He like grabs one of those Monaco cranes and swings like Batman all the way back to the Monaco pit wall. Um, exactly.
0: He's uh yeah, he's he's you know, he 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 gets catapulted out of the cockpit of the vehicle and then just lands directly into like a, a leather lounge chair in the casino yes. or something yeah. and, uh, <laughs> in his mom's stylist uh chair. Uh he
1: just like yeah. perfectly <laughs> lands there and he's getting his hair done. Um <laughs> uh, Yeah, that that was that was tough though. So w- that that was like the disaster that we started to see that basically Set the tone of the front edge of the grid, uh, the front end of the grid rather. And then uh, lap 21, we got people like pretty much everyone pitting for slick tires. Yep. Uh, And that was surprising to me that it took them till lap 21 to uh, swap over. I think if it was any other track, they would have swapped over sooner. But because of like how much time people lose in the pit lane and track position at Monaco is so important that people were like waiting to pit uh, so that they could only maybe have one stop as a pit strategy. And uh, most teams got it right. Literally every other team except for Ferrari got it right. Uh, Well, not every team. Not every team, because we did have Haas not get it right pretty Mm -hmm. aggressively later in the race. So yeah, we had also, there was a moment where Verstappen crossed the pit exit. And this is like, It might seem like nitpicky, but you can't have cars crossing the pit exit. You can't because that could result in like an accident at full speed, even if it is just a tire dipped over these cars like you. We could see the slow motion action of people entering the swimming pool complex uh, at Monaco where you see like the tires, like you couldn't fit a piece of paper between where the tires and the guardrails are. So for someone like Max Verstappen, a world championship race car driver to have like dipped almost a whole wheel over the pit exit, that was like, you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was him like gaining track position and doing something that should have been, immediately sent to the stewards and probably should have been penalized. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And uh, I was reading into that. It was because of a cut and paste error from last year's regulations to this year's regulations. The race director accidentally cut and paste the phrase that said, you cannot have your wheel cross over the pit lane exit versus no part of your wheel can touch the line of the pit lane exit. So like, it's literally just a couple, there were a couple of words that were changed in the race director's notes. And what happens with that is the track rules are set, but if the race director comes in and makes new rules and puts them in writing, those rules supersede the established rules. So the race director literally cut and paste something incorrectly. And that is what caused that Ferrari protest to just disappear. Cause it was like, oh, well actually they Red Bull by the luck of the draw, they did not violate the rules. So that was a little, little upsetting. I don't love technicalities. I don't love when races are won or walked back or results are changed due to technicalities, but uh, it's just, that's one of those things where it's like, you can't have someone crossing those lines. Like Mm -hmm. that's one thing you can't have happen. Uh, A lot of things are Okay. This is like a true legit safety issue. It's like the brake diving thing. You can't brake dive yep. someone. If you're on if someone's behind you, you can't tap your brakes and make them run into the back of you. Max Verstappen last year in Jeddah. You can't do that. Ugh. All right. Let's let's move on here, Johnny. Uh we get to that horrible, horrible accident with Mick Schumacher. Um mm-hmm. Did you, were you prepared for that? What, what, what was, what?
0: I was not prepared for that. And it's always scary because you see a glimpse of it. And yeah. then the rate, you know, the broadcast director basically makes the very considerate call of like, mm-hmm. let's not put the cameras back on that until we know what's happened. Because yes. that looks like that could have been. Very serious, because you could just barely see at first glance that the car had like separated into two pieces, which, which is, is terrifying. Again,
1: the last car to separate in two pieces was a Haas, and it was Roman Grosjean's car when yeah. it separated into two pieces and burst into flames. Uh, so that was scary as second big shunt, too, on a street course, which mm-hmm. it's, it sucks really sucks um
0: uh, these things happen the the Um, good news was was within you know i want to say 30 seconds we had a radio broadcast from him in the car um and that let us know that he was he was fine he was pretty quickly out of the vehicle and everything and i think that was that was a big relief to all seeing the damage of the car and i would even say you know yes seeing a haas separated in two is is a similar sort of thing. I, I want to be mindful to say that is not a that is not a like um fault in the engineering of Correct. the vehicle. Correct. The vehicle is often designed in certain instances in a way where that, you know, uh, surrounding area, the sort of cocoon around the driver. That is the part that needs to remain in a single piece for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. And that other pieces of the car, if the forces are strong enough, they can separate. And sometimes that's actually makes it a safer crash Yeah, in, in general. It is that
1: weird thing of watching uh, when you see... And because there's so much dash cam footage uh, at this point and so much YouTube footage of these horrific car crashes where you see the cars being blown into into bits uh, and you're like, oh, my God, there's no way anyone could survive that. It There is it, – it. you have to turn that logic on its head when you're watching these cars because not only do these cars – are they designed to break apart, but the the barriers that they run into, those tech pro barriers – they they there was one specific if if you i don't know if they showed it on the sky broadcast or the e s p n broadcast um but they showed uh one specific slow motion shot of when Schumacher's car made contact with the barrier you can literally see like a concussion wave where there is energy from the car that is being pulled into the barrier. And like the barrier itself, like ripples like a wave, and like you see like water splash out from the the water barriers behind it. But what's happening there is that energy is literally being distributed from the car to the barrier. And when the back end of that car was ripped off, that's a good thing because that means that mm-hmm. the barrier itself pulled and dissipated. Oh, there's a car alarm happening. <laughs> um, uh, there, it, there's the the car was. Uh, was pulled apart because the energy was dissipated. And that is a good thing. So it's terrifying to see those moments, especially on street tracks. But it was very good to see that Mick was okay immediately and was just apologetic about ruining the car.
0: So so that basically set up the what was effectively the rest of the race um or i yeah. guess i should say the the two races that that followed <laughs> after after a, a pretty prolonged um oh. red flag and safety car and and all of that which um, by the way when they showed
1: mick like the crash from mick's car they like the broadcast immediately cut to a picture uh of kevin magnuson with his helmet yeah. off like looking at a screen and i was like wait a second why why are we seeing? Yeah, wait. Why shouldn't Kevin be in his car right now, <laughs> driving around this
0: track and not looking at his screen, gesturing? Yeah, what like, even happened there? I didn't even. I didn't even know. I and I no just. Like, it. I. I feel like this is. This, this is, is symptomatic. It's a, it's a sad thing that were just like, oh, well, I yeah, I guess I don't know, I guess I guess the one of the Haases went out and I didn't even notice because it's one of the Haases going out. Is that you know but is that it where is, we're at? You know I think it's partially that, but it's part of what you said
1: too, where this is not the normal FIA yeah. uh, uh broadcast group. So like the the FIA and F1 have people who know that when like a car's data drops down, it's like, hey, we need to get a camera on this car because it's slowing down uh and it's not going at race speed and it's the middle of the race. So I'm sure if this were any other crew, we would have seen that retirement happening or at least like a shot of him in the pit having the car like backed into the garage before we saw him like out of the car, just like, oh what happened with my teammate? Uh mm-hmm. it was so peculiar threw me off a lot <laughs> to see that uh like I was like, wait did I miss I missed something wait i no, I've been watching the race the whole time I didn't like go to the bathroom i i like I didn't like go to sit my coffee or what i I was watching oh, but missed it so yeah, then we got the other two races uh that that happened afterwards <laughs> um what did you uh what did what did first of all what did you think of the rolling restart after that? Did you like that it was a rolling restart or would you have liked to have seen it be a standing restart?
0: Oh, I always want to see a standing start. I, don't, yeah, I don't think too. there's almost no scenario where I've ever wished for a, a rolling restart. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if we have to go through the, obnoxious tedium that is a red flag we should be rewarded with a standing start at the yeah. at the end of it
1: yeah every time it's also very traumatizing to see charles leclerc mid race out of his ferrari uh walking through the pit lane in monaco um because every <laughs> right. time i'm like wait uh, oh no no ev- everyone else has stopped too yes this is a good
0: thing he should be out of his car if he was in his car also all sorts of other weird shit, like Lewis Hamilton decided to change his helmet midway through the race, you know, just was like, man, I don't know. Maybe this one's bad luck. Give me the, give me the other one, you know, like, yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. So
1: help me get past Alonzo.
0: Yeah. Maybe this one will help me. Uh, all right. So, so that's, you know, one of the biggest stories of the, the rest of the race is that Alonzo seemed to and it sounded like from what i heard and just you know having the like many fans do just a infinite uh never end. my well of respect for fernando alonso can never dry up and even when he falls you know a half minute behind the rest of the pack. I still see it as, and as others had mentioned like, Oh no, that was like a calculated move. He was like, you know, he was, he was controlling his own race. And I guess technically did so masterfully because there was exactly half of the field. Behind him who for the life Of them could not get around there's A there's an image that's been going viral That's the the view of the Track map and on The you know one Side of the track is you know The the those fighting At the front of the pack And then there's like a Mile of empty space and then there's another mile of of Cars and That was was it and like yeah, you just see A
1: L O, and then just every other like dot yep. and color right behind it. It's very funny. Uh, it's like uh, one of the most. One of the most beautifully naturally occurring memes I've ever seen. Uh where mm-hmm. like the image itself, there's nothing that needed Required to be. Required no added
0: doctoring. To it. Yes, yeah. No,
1: it's just that's it. That was it's it's it. So so pure. So pure. Uh yeah. At a certain point, I think I saw him he was at thirty-four seconds. I think he at like thirty-four seconds behind the leaders. Uh so almost like forty-five seconds total behind. Uh, behind Perez, who was leading the race. And again, I was like, yeah, Ocon definitely has a penalty for that, but it hadn't been announced yet. It hadn't been like, it had been announced, but it hadn't been like communicated to Alonso. And I think like Ocon was like, Hey, you know that I have a penalty, right? And then as soon as that radio communication happened, Alonso was like, Oh, oh shit, and then took off up <laughs> the road to try mm-hmm. to get uh, his teammate back into the points unsuccessfully. But, uh, but Ocon definitely finished out of the points with that penalty, the five second penalty he got, uh, from, from that contact with Lewis earlier in the race. But I was absolutely like, what are you doing, dude? You're screwing your teammate over. You're not just like screwing over Lewis and everyone else in the field. Like your teammate is part of that <laughs> field. Come on, dude. <laughs> it was very funny but also like pretty disrespectful it was a very alonso move uh cuz no one can pass here no one will risk it so that was i think that was a big middle finger uh from alonso to monaco to the format to <laughs> kind of to the fans a little bit too uh but like you said mm. that deep unending well of respect for alonso i i i was furious but also was <laughs> like God, I respect this man so much. I I wish I didn't respect him, but I really really do, uh, especially for this move.
0: Uh, yeah. And I mean, you know, certainly frustrating to know that, you know, directly behind him was Lewis Hamilton and he wasn't was not making it around. No,
1: and I no. wonder,
0: you know, I wonder what Hamilton's mindset was if there was a certain point where he was just like, "No, I'm not going to be able to get around." this dude here like i think so and i think he
1: probably recognized what was going on too uh that not just it wasn't just like an alonzo move of like screwing with hamilton i think that maybe hamilton initially thought that that was what was going on but then just as as a seasoned race driver hamilton had to be like oh this is a brilliant strategy like he's guaranteed seventh place he knows all he has to do is keep me behind and I'll keep everyone else behind me. And that will just daisy chain its way through the rest of the pack. So there's, yeah, it was upsetting. Yeah, it was frustrating. Yeah, it was a little bit disrespectful. But also it's like, it's a strategy move. And he he put it into play perfectly and finished the race in front of Hamilton and kind of screwed his teammate over, but definitely finished in the points where he needed to. So now we're at like, probably like 10 minutes left of the race at this point uh -hmm. and signs starts to attack he starts to go after the back of Perez Perez's tires are starting to really grain and get all like gnarly you can see like these dark strips of his tires where they're just they look like they're ragged uh and Perez is starting to get a little bit nervous. You can hear on his like radio communications, he's starting to get a little bit like, okay, all right, uh, <laughs> uh, having a tough time here. And uh, signs was definitely getting tighter. He almost ran into the back of him at one point, uh, or not mm-hmm. one point, like two or three points uh, at the hairpin, at the, at the Lowe's hairpin. That was wild. Um, but then uh, I was certain Verstappen was going to try something. Did did you think he was going to try something uh, in those those last few minutes? I just
0: felt like you can't do anything in that like train, you know, like you're you you can't get around whoever's in front of you unless they make a really critical error. um, Yes, because they're already so close up on on the car that they're running behind, Um, and I was I was really hoping for. Carlito to to get something to stick to it. it seemed yeah. like this was a great scenario for him i was uh particularly happy to hear uh the uh i think it was martin brundle call out uh his father's legacy of rally driving and impeccable car control especially yeah uh, seeing uh seeing him hit some some wild tank slappers. Yeah he uh, had in the, he had a
1: couple, literally two that were like the self he admitted to he's like that would have ended my race. I thought my race was over. Uh I yeah. can't believe I saved those. Uh
0: Joe, uh Joe Guan Yu had that was that was the most that epic was coming out of wild. coming out of the tunnel, roaring out of the tunnel. Oh, right up Did behind Yuki Sonoda, like
1: Sent it up the inside. Oh.
0: Looked yeah. like he was, I mean, he looked like he was doing like a full like 90 degree yeah. uh drift and was able to gather up, catch it, you know, catch the yep. counter, and tame a tank slapper in a very fast, very unforgiving. Section of the track. Did you catch the radio communication after? I sure did.
1: (laughs) It's like I think I need a new pair of pants after that one. (laughs) Just like yeah, dude. I also wanted pants. (laughs) That was
0: that was very much a code brown save. Yes, Uh, yes. Because that's like uh, almost two hundred miles an
1: hour. He's doing almost two hundred miles an hour and went sideways next to another car with rocks on one side and water on the other. Like that's that's it. That you don't get more like high risk than that unless you're on like the side of a cliff but i mean he was he was just on the bottom side of it that was that was bananas then the pack that last couple of laps dude did you see them getting all up on latifi <laughs> latifi yeah. was the car. i was like oh no nikki don't you dare <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yelling this you at like be. nine o'clock in the morning uh so so horrifying But, uh, yeah.
0: Real, real careful, uh, uh, there. Um, so, so from there, I mean, that, that brings us basically to, uh, a a conclusion of the race, which was absolutely monumental. I think, uh, especially coming out of last weekend. Yeah. For Sergio Perez to win at Monaco for the first time. This was his third ever race win. Third ever race win. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And to have this win at Monaco, one of the races that every driver wants to win almost across the board more than any other single race. And to have it be incredible retribution for the very number two driver treatment that he got the previous weekend in Barcelona. And not just
1: not just win the race and not just win the race on his own merits, but to win the race and to beat his teammate in almost every single session. I think absolutely all weekend long like that is that's not just Red Bull throwing him a bone being like, oh, the cards just like that you were dealt a great hand and like we're going to give you the race win. we're not going to ask you to swap around like he won that race he mm-hmm. won that race with his driving ability and their equipment and his side of the garage and 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 everything of course but he won that race and he beat his teammate in qualifying and he beat him in practice sessions that was that was just huge uh i got a little choked up watching him get choked up uh on that on that podium i mean i get choked up yeah. every time uh, someone gets choked up on that podium just because I'm I'm a human being and I have empathy <laughs> watching someone like who sacrificed their whole existence and their family and their uh, <laughs> and their loved ones and friends and relationships to win a race. It's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get a little welled up watching that. Uh, but I was like full on like ugly crying watching Sergio uh, ugly cry on that podium
0: he uh he he wore a tribute helmet uh mm-hmm. representing one of the very few other Mexican Formula 1 drivers uh Pedro Rodriguez who mm-hmm. uh won in the in the late 60s um, you know, one, two Grand Prix. and so wearing, wearing a helmet as, you know, tribute to his fellow, uh, statesmen and to make, you know, such a big impact at the crown jewel of formula one yep. races. Awesome to see. Awesome to see him doing his forward flip into the, the red bull swimming pool, Uh, celebration right after the yeah, draped in a Mexican flag, celebrating like hell after the race. Awesome to awesome to see. um really, really cool, really, really cool stuff. Um, one or two other little things I wanted to touch on that caught Mm -hmm. my eye during the race. Uh, Sergio, uh, shortly after the race restart after uh Mick Schumacher's crash. Mm. Sergio's leading the pack and they're heading down. I think it was into the hairpin charging in. Uh, no, sorry. It wasn't the hairpin. There was a bird that flew across the track and Sergio straight up almost flat spotted one of his tires, just I locking up his brakes to avoid hitting the bird. And At first I thought it was a piece of debris that, was on the track that his wheel actually came onto, and that, you know, made him lose grip to lock up. But it was, I think it was him doing a, a, a little bit of a panic stop to avoid hitting a bird flying yeah. across the track, which I just thought was amazing. That was, the yeah. Bird that was, that was why I saw fine. that was like,
1: what the hell was that? <laughs> um, but I was watching live, so I couldn't. I didn't want to go back and, uh, and 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 rewind. But that was a bird. Okay, I was wondering what that was. That
0: was that was a bird flying okay. directly across. And I mean, uh. he was like he was like ten feet, you know, uh, away from it. And yeah, uh, and and pump pump those brakes and and didn't have it. You know, didn't lose control of his car. Didn't yeah. didn't get passed by anyone else you know i thought that was pretty uh he really does he he
1: sergio perez is on another level when it comes to car control uh I, i think that max is an amazing and very talented driver but i think that as far as like max has some amazing saves and like people are like wow max is really good at car control because of these amazing saves sergio perez Doesn't even get into situations that he has to save himself Mm -hmm. like that. I think that should also be like acknowledged, Uh, because if you've got someone who is so amazingly good at driving a car that is like notoriously difficult to drive and he's not getting out of sorts because he's getting on the throttle too early or whatever. Like the only incidents he's had that have happened have been because of either other drivers, uh, running into him, reliability issues or the car itself, like the tires failing him. It has not been, he since getting into that Red Bull has not shown any bit of like lack of car control, uh, when he's not, and I, th- he gets like kind of like lambasted as like, oh, he's not as aggressive. He's not as like willing to put it on the edge. He's not as like consistent or whatever as Max. Yeah, he's only been there for a year and a half. This dude is going to be one of the most consistent drivers that Red Bull has ever had if they keep him in that seat, uh, which is wild. Um there was also something that came out that he like whispered to Christian on the the podium uh, where he, apparently like he's up for contract negotiations this year. Mm-hmm. It hasn't been announced that he's got a seat there next year. And I guess like a mic picked up or maybe like the mic on the champagne GoPro itself picked up him whispering into Christian's ear. I shouldn't have signed so early immediately at the podium celebrations and i was like i love that i love that's awesome if that's what he said on that podium to his boss after last weekend i love that so much just being like oh i should have taken you for more money dude (laughs)
0: yeah oh well
1: like that's such a badass move to pull and it's also like Sergio's known for being like a very pure and direct person. So I don't think that yeah. that's him like angling. I think that's him genuinely being like, you should have paid me more money. I just showed you what I'm worth. I showed you. I'm a great teammate last week. And this week I dominated my teammate and won the race in Ferrari's backyard where they clearly had a superior car. I should have gotten more money out of you. Like that's such a, Oh, it's so bad. I love it. Um, yeah, but that, uh, other than that, It was tough to see uh, Merck so far down, uh, especially after them doing so well last week. Uh, But it's Barcelona and this is Monaco. They're great Mm -hmm. at Barcelona and they're not so great at Monaco. So I'm not shocked that Mercedes didn't do as well. And that goes for George, not just Lewis, but like George wasn't as high as I expected him to be after last weekend. Right. I think he could have been fighting for a podium. I think they both could have. But I was, I mean, George being as consistent as he's been. I think George probably could have been fighting for a podium if strategy had panned out a little bit differently. But uh, but yeah, I thought I thought it was a good race, a good race in the calendar. And then as far as a Monaco race, may uh, like I said before, w- maybe the best I've ever seen in my life uh, that I've been watching Formula One.
0: Mm hmm. And I'll give uh, I'll give a special shout out also to Pierre Gasly, who put on a really entertaining show in that yeah. first section of the race. And I, I will give some some good credit due to the broadcasters for his pass on Joe Uh They stuck with the visor cam uh, yes. through his his pass, which was awesome. I love I love that visor cam. Like uh, it's pretty, pretty it's fantastic. So good. Um, and this, this
1: weekend it highlighted like an even be- like it was even better because it was one of those things where it's like, Oh, the race, di- like the broadcast director, he only has one option with these. <laughs> um, just, yeah, he like, mm-hmm. it's either the visor cam or it's the, the T wing cam. And it's like, Oh no, they're obviously going to go for the visor cam. Cause that's been proven to be the superior shot. So, yeah i love that they stuck on board with that
0: there's a uh there's a, a great video clip that was making the rounds um from uh mark lane who's a a engineer mm-hmm. with the alpine team he took uh one of the visor cam pieces of footage and ran a little bit of like stabilization on it to like smooth out oh, the shakiness. Really? on it it's pretty it's pretty cool looking it, it just makes it just a little more cinematic although yeah at the same time i kind of i kind of like the the like violent you know vibration yeah. of it like it's <laughs> uh you know it's it is it, really it, cool
1: it, it to see adds a little intensity to the whole And thing. they say the, the broadcasters are that i think that's great that mark did that because he's like he's kind of doing the thing that like our human eyes do, which is like we stabilize within our skulls. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a more yeah. accurate representation of what the drivers experience um, yeah. in, in in addition to being more cinematic. Um, but it's probably what they're experiencing a little bit closer. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love that shot. I want them to hold on to that shot until they can quite literally put cameras in like the contact lenses of driver's
0: eyes. That's right. That's I mean, the that's the that, i i i am interested. I mean, there's all I'll, I'll geek out about this on a whole other level at some point. Yeah. But there's all sorts of things that you could do with like uh, tracking the eye movement that mm-hmm. the drivers have. Uh, just because I, I think people don't appreciate just the level that these people are functioning at on like a very like cognitive level, like the way that they are doing this. Uh, it's pretty pretty remarkable. Yeah. Pretty incredible stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, solid Monaco race. I'm with you. I think it was one yeah. of the the best Monaco Grand Prix in recent memory, not the most thrilling Grand Prix of the season so no, far. No. I don't um think so. but uh but good to good to see it repping its own. And I think as I saw you post up on Twitter, you know, it is I think further proof that the, the formula is going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. There will be so, further refinements
1: uh, to it, but uh, I think it was perfect.
0: Yeah. What do you What do you think this did for the stock of Formula One in America? Oh, well, it's tough to. This one's tough to say because of that rain delay,
1: uh, yeah, uh, and because of the time of the race. It was a nine o'clock race on the East Coast on a holiday weekend, so I think mm-hmm. a lot more people tuned in at 9 a.m. sharp to be like okay cool there was a cool race in miami yeah. and then they had that great race last weekend like let's what What do we got show us what you got this is monaco this is supposed to be amazing right and then we got an hour of twiddling our thumbs uh and not getting any sort of feedback from what was the hold up these are
0: not and not only that but i mean even the the race broadcasters were pretty hosting them yeah irked about all of this uh and i i found it fascinating i always watched the the youtube recap videos that formula one puts out and they had edited they used the sky sports commentary in their recap videos and they had even edited it around like the brief moments where the 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 commentary was like oh well you could say it would have been a red flag anyways if they had started and whatnot which i thought was like their way of almost like flicking the commentators in the balls of being like how dare you guys get on
1: international
0: broadcast and tell everybody that you think we're making an awful decision here as we approach this
1: but it's also i think it's that's like kind of maybe the behind the scenes thing too of like oh yeah they're they're not this is not their broadcast team these are not the people who they have to ever worry about like rubbing the Mm -hmm. wrong way because what's going to happen next year maybe we'll have another race in monaco maybe not uh but they don't have to deal with these same people next week when they, or not next week in two weeks when we go to Azerbaijan, those aren't their bosses. So they can like talk (laughs) on them all they want. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, I, 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 that was, that is like kind of that, like behind the scenes stuff of like, oh yeah, they can't just talk (laughs) on people if they want to, because they don't have to deal with the repercussions. Uh, And also, yeah, it was, it was tough to watch. It was tough to, as a fan, I was like, oof, oh man, you got to say something. You got to do something. You got to at least like enter- make this entertaining in some way. Uh, they tried to do it last year in spa, but uh, it was also starting to make me get a little PTSD from spa. Um, but I think overall, because of the way that the race, the strategies that happened, the race itself, Uh, And the celebrations, the fact that Sergio came back and had this beautiful redemption arc so quickly uh, and so like thoroughly uh, redeemed himself. I think that stock went up in the U.S. for sure, especially considering Mm -hmm. that there is a large contingent of Mexican fans who live here in the U.S., uh, Mexican-American fans and Mexican fans and American fans who are all fans of Sergio. I mean, you and I are not red bull fans but i i can speak for myself and say that i am definitely a checo fan like i was clapping yep. when he won um
0: yep.
1: uh i stood up and, and applauded it and that's like i think the stock goes up when someone from like the home continent wins and that definitely is what happened that's what we saw and i think that people for sure are going to be pretty excited to see this street circuit we're going back to a street circuit in two weeks uh i think people might there might be a little bit of a dip in the in this week because like the the monaco hangover but i think that we'll see probably a bunch of promotions show up for the the baku race the azerbaijan race there'll be like some great marketing that goes out for that and uh, I, I hope to see i hope to see a great race in two weeks but yeah, I'd say that the stock went up, went up a little bit this week. I don't think it went up like it did not moonshot. I think it's not plateauing. It's increasing a little bit,
0: slow and slow. Yeah, start. and I thought it was interesting. I saw, you know, one of the things that I picked up on was just following around on social media seeing a bunch of celebrity fans who seemed to go out to partake in the Monaco Grand Prix yeah. for the first time. I saw uh, a, a few videos from uh, snowboarding legend Sean White. That's right. The flying uh, being, tomato being out there. Uh, flying tomato had this amazing video from whatever luxury suite or hotel room balcony or whatnot that he's he's watching from. And it was like the first time that the cars came around his girlfriend or wife or whoever, whoever it is, like blew her hair back. She looked like she was going to vomit <laughs> with surprise when these cars ripped around so quickly. Uh, and uh, it just you know it brought back fond memories of uh, seeing others in person have similar reactions to these oh, cars yeah. just darting around a track at at the violent speeds at which they move. So yeah, you know I think things things like that to me are are nothing but good signs about uh, the way that the the sport continues to rope in the American audience agreed um so
1: well that uh that'll just about do it for us here this is a longer episode but it was a pretty great friggin' race uh so uh, crown
0: jewel baby
1: yeah we got we got talk a little extra about that um and uh where can folks find you uh online if they'd like to do that
0: uh john yeah hit Hit me up anytime on Twitter. Uh, my handles at Johnny motion. Uh, if you, for some reason happen to find yourself in, uh, in Amsterdam in the middle of next month, I'm going to be Ooh. presenting at the next web conference, uh, in, uh, in, in mid June. So, uh, come over there if you want to hear me geek out about the sort of silly stuff I get up to. That's great. Corey. Where can, uh, where, where can the folks find you? Uh I am Burn Corey
1: Burn on social media. Uh and that's on everything. That's uh, I'm starting to starting to post more TikToks too. I'm starting to starting to do some more of that stuff. Uh so you can find me uh on all those on all those platforms. Uh you can also reach us at the F1 Files on Twitter and on Reddit. We haven't been active on Reddit. I haven't really been posting over there on Reddit, Johnny. Have you? Have you done
0: no. Uh, not not as much, but I love to soak up the Reddit community's take yeah. on all of this, and uh, you know, uh, especially you know between that and the F one troll Instagram account, uh, oh, that God that covers so many of my my Formula One needs.
1: Yeah, I'd say yeah. Uh, this, we we have no vested interest in this whatsoever. But the F1 troll Instagram account, uh, and I'm also going to throw in F1 madness as a uh, as one of those accounts uh, that that tend to do mm. some pretty great memes um, uh, <laughs> when it comes to F1 content. Um, a bit of snark, but a, it's a lot of it is curated from Reddit. Um, but yeah, uh, I'd follow those accounts too on Instagram. They're they're very funny and do a great job of taking the piss out of uh out of F1 in general. Uh oh, but God, that's yeah. uh yeah, that, that I think that that'll just about do it for us here on the X1 file. <laughs> we will see you in <laughs> <laughs> azerbaijan, yeah i did it again baby um we'll see you in uh azerbaijan at the baku race um i just i'm just gonna start leaning into this and doing the x1 files at the very end of every show uh but yeah truly we are the f1 files uh, all right folks we will catch you next time